Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're discussing the metaverse. I'm joined by Jessica Wong, a senior M&A reporter based in Hong Kong. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having me. So to begin with, the big question, can you explain what the metaverse is? I think it's maybe not that easy to describe. Okay, yeah. So that is the big question. So in short, the idea is that you can enter the internet and be a part of it. It's basically it's basically the internet. But the idea is that it's it's around the space and your your space in it. Um so you're in and taking part in the internet as as a digital avatar. Um, and an avatar, by Mark Zuckerberg's definition, is basically a 3D representation of you. So right now we're seeing each other on a screen. But instead of that, you'd actually, you could see me as another form of representation. So for example, you could see me as an animal on the screen, but my face doesn't have to be on the camera, but it still has all of my expressions and gestures. And we can both be basically on this call in a virtual space where we're both avatars and we're we're basically physically there in the virtual world. So it, it basically has our human and personal interactions virtually. But the cynical answer <laughs> to the question is it's basically, yeah, it's like a new age buzzword for the internet slash cyberspace. It's a bit like um, if you put on a VR headset is like the easiest way to describe it. Um, you could even argue that we're already living in a metaverse um, in the last two years because we spend so much of our social and work interactions online already. Um, and basically, the believers of the metaverse are saying it's the future of the Internet, because rather than being behind a screen, we're all going to be in this in this virtual world, whatever that will look like. So we're talking to each other over a virtual platform with you being in Hong Kong and me being in, in the UK. Could you give us some examples of, of metaverse applications? Yes, I can. So in gaming, it's the most obvious one. Um, personally, I don't play any games myself, but I think things like um, is it World of Warcraft? I think that's people who play that should know what, what I'm talking about. I think you can actually be a character in those games. Um, another one is obviously like right now, for example, if you're on a Zoom call, um, you you can be in like floating around as as, as basically digital avatars. Um, you can, they're saying you can watch DJs in the metaverse. You can go to digital concerts in the metaverse. They're even saying you can travel overseas um, by just putting on like your headset and going to India. Um, they're saying that you can have your digital avatar go shopping for you. They can try on clothes for you. You can feel what those clothes are like while sitting at home. You can view houses, properties. Um, one, uh, another one is uh, healthcare. So that one is obviously a quite popular one. You can visit doctors overseas and have consultations and get treatments um, from doctors that are based remotely or if you're based remotely. So yeah, the idea is it, you can use it in every aspect of your life. That's not just gaming. Yeah. And, and so interesting because you can see the benefits of a lot of those applications, particularly given the last two years when there have been a lot of restrictions on movements. Yeah, exactly. And I think the idea is also just because people realize that you do need that human interaction and um, that that social connection. And I think that's 
you don't get that behind a screen. And I think that's what the proponents of the metaverse are saying is that you can you can still experience that without having to be there physically. And looking at the businesses involved in this space, since when have businesses started to pursue and invest in the idea of the, the metaverse? And why have they done that? Obviously, the pandemic has probably expedited it like a lot of other technology. Yeah, so I think pandemic aside, so during what, during the pandemic, and especially in last year, we saw cryptocurrencies gaining traction all around the world. Um, The price of Bitcoin went up, I think, to its all-time highs um, in November last year. Everyone just basically just went mad. Um, All the crypto companies were raising funds and it was just going insane. Everyone was buying and selling. The other thing is NFTs, um, which basically I'll try to explain briefly. Um, Basically, NFT, in case you haven't heard of it, is a non-fungible token. What on earth is that? It is a digital title deed. So it's basically like a certificate that tells you that you own something. So let's say I own a house um, and I've lost the document, the physical document that tells you that I own that house. The NFT is something, it's basically that certificate that tells you that you own it. And it's non-fungible, meaning that I can't trade that digital certification for something else because the good that it represents is a different good. It's kind of like a Pokemon card that you can't trade a Charizard card for. (laughs) Okay. It's how I understand it. Um, But yeah, but basically, so that's crypto NFTs all coming to the fore last year. And that basically can create the, the infrastructure for a digital economy, which is basically what you need for the metaverse to really kick off. So all of those building blocks are, are, are in place now. Could we look at fundraising? How much fundraising activity has there been and, and who is investing? Yeah, so last year, uh, according to Crunchbase, uh, Metaverse-related companies raised at least $10.4 billion. That's in venture capital funding. Um, that is compared to $5.9 billion that was raised the year prior to that. Um, and it's by far the most amount raised for the metaverse in a single year in the last decade. Um, people that are investing is obviously you've got like your Silicon Valley VCs, um, you've got the actual company founders of VCs, and then you've got people, I don't know, just kind of random people like the former chief digital officer at Louis Vuitton, like the, well, at least LVMH, the group. Um, you've got Andreessen Horowitz, you know, the big Silicon Valley crypto investor. Um, And then you've also got corporates that are branching out and saying that they want to invest in the metaverse ecosystem. They all use that. They love to use that word ecosystem. Um, In Hong Kong, we've got a gaming company called Animoca Brands. Um, They are being valued at around five billion in their latest round. Um, And this company has said that they've made at least 150 investments, um, some of which have been going into the metaverse. So corporates, VCs. Um, crypto funds, that kind of thing. Also, like I think celebrities are getting into it. And looking at, at some of the deals that have taken place in the space, we could perhaps start with, with the big one, Microsoft and Activision. Could you talk a little bit about that and then tell us what other deals have, have happened as well? Yeah, so I, I mean, Activision, that was the biggest deal that we've seen so far. So that's $75 billion um, worth of money going into that. Um, it's just, it's you know, it's Microsoft. So they, they obviously want to create um, like a metaverse version for things like uh, Microsoft Teams calls. 
um, aside from the Microsoft one, there's there's like a lot of startups that are raising at seed rounds as well um, at really, really high valuations. Um, so, for example, the guys behind Pokemon Go, um, that company Niantic, San Francisco-based, it's a startup. Um, they announced last year they're raising $300 million, um, and that's at a $9 billion valuation um, for the metaverse. Um, another seed round was uh, another U.S. company, a Virginia-based company called Yuga Labs, um, gaming company. This is a seed round, and they raised $450 million, and that's on a $4 billion valuation. Um, so it's just kind of insane. And then in, in Asia, we're seeing a few others as well. So in Australia, there's an NFT game publisher. They got valued um, just last month at $2.5 billion. Um, with with a 200 million fundraise, uh, people like Tencent joined that uh, joined that round, um, and then in Vietnam as well, there's a gaming developer. Um, it's called Sky Mavis, and they have an NFT game um, called Axie Infinity. So they uh, again, this is another startup, and they raised uh, I think last year, yeah, last year in October, um, on a three billion valuation. So. It's just kind of insane. And then also you actually have non-gaming companies um, making acquisitions or doing M&As so that they can kind of basically join join the metaverse game, as it were. Um, Nike, um, they bought a digital sneakers company um, called RTFKT. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but they bought this digital sneakers company basically as their way of entering the metaverse and the crypto collectibles NFT space. This was in December. Can I just stop you there? So digital sneakers, they're, they're shoes that you can only wear in the metaverse. I would assume so. <laughs> but I mean, like they would need to create the, the shoe first. It's like Meta or Facebook, Facebook slash Meta. They created like a glove. And when you put it on, you can feel things in the metaverse. So I assume that's what the digital sneakers thing is as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'll be investing in any, di- in any digital sneakers or trainers anytime soon. And looking ahead, Jessica, it, it, it's obviously a really exciting time within the metaverse that there are obviously loads and loads of different factors at play. How do you see the industry evolving? Personally, it's quite hard to put a finger on it because the, the idea of it it could it could literally just amount to us in ten years' time wearing a VR headset on this call instead of looking at each other on the screen, or we could actually all just become digital avatars, and then and yeah, by which point, I don't know, we'll be living in a world where like the governments the governments have regulated it, and there are more deals, and like metaverse has actually come into fruition, and maybe by then valuations would have kind of died down a little bit, fundraising sort of died down a little bit, but. Um, it's difficult because it's a bit like asking in the 90s what the internet would look like in the 2000s. But I guess the more regulation, going back to what we were saying earlier, you've got the kind of the, the deals like the Microsoft Activision one, but then on the kind of sidelines, you've got all the, the cryptocurrency, the non-fungible tokens and how they can be better regulated to become more part of the, the mainstream. So I guess that's potentially an area we'll see more, more growth in. Yeah, I think so. I think the main um, regulatory challenge as well, though, to concepts like the metaverse is um, privacy. Um, and that's obviously the main challenge that we're seeing to facing big tech today as well. 
So, but at the same time, big tech is still doing its thing. So, yeah, I don't know, because the metaverse, it kind of freaks out a lot of people because it's like, but all of my body language and facial expressions are potentially being recorded by these big companies. Yeah, interesting. There's some very interesting moral and ethical questions that that, that always raises. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica, we'll leave it there. Really nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Jessica Wong. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.